There are days as governor when I'm not sure I have the words. But I know that there are women out there right now and right here in this room who are terrified, and rightly so. Governor J.B. Pritzker and Illinois Democrats react to a leaked draft opinion suggesting the U.S. Supreme Court is about to overturn Roe v. Wade. We'll talk about what that could mean in Illinois, as well as other significant news of the week, on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a production of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. On Monday this week, the political world was shaken to its core by a Politico report that revealed a draft U.S. Supreme Court opinion overturning the landmark 1973 decision Roe v. Wade that legalized abortion nationwide. Chief Justice John Roberts later confirmed the authenticity of the document, but said it is not an official opinion and does not represent the final position of any member of the court. Politico, however, has said the vote on the court currently stands at 5-4 to four in favor of overturning Roe. An official ruling is expected by the end of June. Former Republican Governor Jim Edgar later told Politico's Illinois correspondent that the leaked document had upended the political landscape leading up to the June 28th primaries. He was quoted as saying, abortion is going to suffocate every other issue. Pritzker and Illinois Democrats in the General Assembly appeared to agree. If you think the Republican politicians who have engineered the court's reversal of Roe v. Wade are going to stop here, let me tell you otherwise. This is just the beginning. As, as Governor Pritzker said, don't think for a minute that there was a drop of sincerity in any of the folks who were saying, we just want these rights to go back to the states because they are already making clear they are coming for a national ban. That last clip was from State Representative Kelly Cassidy, a Chicago Democrat and one of the chief sponsors of the 2019 Reproductive Health Act that declares access to abortion a fundamental right in Illinois. And joining us now to talk about the impact of all this and other news of the week are Capital News Illinois State House Bureau Chief Jerry Nowicki and our University of Illinois Springfield Public Affairs Reporting intern, Grace Kinnicutt. Grace, let's start with you because you covered that news conference that we heard from and some other reaction to this news. First of all, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, would there be an immediate impact here in Illinois? There would not be an immediate impact here in Illinois. Uh, and why not? Um, Illinois actually has some of the most progressive abortion protections. So that would allow women who are seeking an abortion, at least in Illinois, to still have that right. Okay, we have seen in some neighboring states, uh, particularly Missouri, uh, some very restrictive laws going into effect. Also some other uh, nearby Midwestern states. Are we expecting that there could be a huge influx of patients coming to Illinois from other states because of the liberal laws that we have here? Yes, clinics in Illinois are expecting an influx of cases if Roe is overturned. There recently, there's actually a regional logistics center opened 
um, in Fairview Heights, kind of around the St. Louis areas, St. Louis area that, um, they, they help using private funds. They help women out of state who are seeking an abortion, um, kind of help them cover the cost of lodging, distance requirements of traveling. And so they are expecting an influx. They kind of been preparing for this just because they knew, especially with the more conservative PAC Supreme Court, that it was more than likely going to be overturned. Okay, and so what was the overall reaction from Illinois politicians? It seems like we heard mostly from Democrats on the pro-choice side. Yeah, so Illinois Democrats, they um, held a news conference Tuesday, and they all, of course, said their support for abortion, and they talked about how if it is overturned, it's a huge loss to a right to privacy, and they also called out Republicans for being, as Welch said, eerily quiet since the news broke. The only Republicans who've really said anything have been um, candidates for governor. Okay, and that would be House Speaker Emanuel Chris Welch. Um, so turning now to Jerry, uh, we heard from some of the Republican candidates for governor, but not Richard Irvin who also, by the way, just received a $25 million boost from Illinois billionaire Ken Griffin. Why do we think he's being so silent? There were a few statements from lawmakers in the General Assembly that came out, but um, the the GOP candidates, you've largely heard from the ones that um, maybe need to make up a little bit of headway and need to have the earned media more than Richard Irvin does. Uh, Jesse Sullivan said he believed this was the product of prayer. Um, and that uh, Illinois will be even more of an abortion destination should it uh, be actually overturned. And then you got Darren Bailey, who said he's always been uh, pro-life and he's got the endorsements of these anti-abortion groups. And uh, Irvin doesn't really need the earned media attention because he's got that just massive money lead. He's got $45 million and more. Uh, to play with, to, and he's been on the airwaves, I think, at all times, really, for a while now. Um, he's spent about $12 million in the first quarter. He continues to be on the airwaves. We see him. I see him when I'm watching the White Sox games, when I'm watching whatever. Uh, his ads pop up. Pritzker spent a lot of his own money, too, to be on there. But um, the, the money allows Ir- Irvin to sort of uh, run his own campaign without the danger of putting his foot in his mouth um, with sort of off-the-cuff comments because it's all curated. Okay, uh, and I mentioned uh, former Governor Jim Edgar up at the top. In that interview with uh, Illinois Politico, he said that this probably helps Democrats. Uh, they were looking at the likelihood of some pretty big losses at the national level because the president's party tends to lose legislative seats in a first midterm election. Does it look like the Supreme Court might just be handing them a gift this year? Yeah, I don't know uh, if that would be considered a gift. I know they're all pretty worked up about it, but there's it's certainly it's going to have an impact on the election uh, one way or the other um, it, it, because there's, it's just such a turbocharged topic and it's one that, uh, that really energizes the democratic base. So um, uh, it'll impact the election for sure. 
Okay, I want to turn now to some other big news of the week. Uh, two things happened late this week that made headlines. Uh, Illinois received another credit upgrade on Thursday from Fitch Ratings, and that was followed on Friday by an upgrade from S&P. So in the last year, all three major credit rating agencies have raised Illinois' rating by two notches. But that was almost drowned out uh, with a report from the Auditor General's office about the COVID-19 outbreak at the LaSalle Veterans Home back in November 2020. Uh, let's talk about the Auditor General's report first. Uh, what did they say and how is it different from the earlier report we had from their Inspector General? Yeah, it was the Department of Human Services Inspector General that did the earlier report in 2021 that really led to a lot of the staff shakeups at the agency. And uh, the Auditor General report found that uh, earlier one flawed because it relied on interviews so much and didn't really investigate IDPH, that's the Illinois Department of Public Health's role in the response. And what the audit found was that IDPH sort of came up short um, and sort of might be an understatement. They came up short in their response to uh, the outbreak that from November 1st, IDVA reported four cases to IDPH. That's the Department of Veterans Affairs, right? That is. So they reported the four cases on November 1st. And then by November 13th, there were over 170 cases total, about roughly about half and half staff and residents. And um, they bo both reports kind of kind of found that a, a Halloween party um, that many staff attended may have been a source of the outbreak, but it also said, you know, there's a 212% increase in the community at large that meet in COVID cases, and that's going to get in a congregate living facility. That's just the way the virus worked. Um, but IDPH failed in the early days to really determine where it needed to be and what it needed to do uh, in response to that and, uh, outbreak. Yeah, and we should remember, it seems so long ago now, that November, the winter of 2020, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic had kind of subsided over the summer, then it started climbing back up in the fall, and there were some rapid increases all over the state, including that region in north-central Illinois, where the LaSalle home is located, and uh, when this shook out, uh, the governor replaced, uh, I think, the director of the Department of Veterans Affairs and some of the upper management. Uh, but then this report came out, and at a news conference in the governor's office, I remember a lot of other reporters asking, you know, did you throw the Department of Veterans Affairs under the bus in order to shield the Department of Public Health? And we should remember... IDPH and Dr. Azike uh, were out there in the public eye almost every day during uh, the first year or so of the pandemic. Uh, so what do we think? Did the, uh, the administration get this wrong by putting all of the blame on veterans affairs and kind of shielding public health? Well, what Pritzker said in his office um, in that news conference was that you know, the report kind of failed to look into what else IDPH was doing at the time. They had to be interacting with the 97 public health departments. They had to, they were, uh, that was one month before the vaccine arrived. So they were getting, standing up, preparing to stand up uh, mass vaccination clinics. Uh, IDPH said in its response that a infection preventionist that was assigned to the IDVA 
uh, passed away two weeks prior to the outbreaks. Um, certainly, I don't want to make excuses for them, but uh, that was Pritzker's response. Um, so, uh, question, did they get it wrong? You know, uh, the report certainly indicates that they did not uh, plan to visit the site until the governor expressed uh, his concern on the 12th um, of November of that year. And, uh, but IDPH said, you know, we weren't doing in-person visits at that time because of the danger of, you know, the person who's being the visitor bringing COVID into the facility, no unnecessary visitors. So, uh, you know, it's, it was a pandemic. It was everywhere. Uh, and this, this looks bad on the governor that 36 residents of that facility had died. Okay, and so let's turn now to the credit rating. Uh, we just saw two credit rating upgrades this week from different agencies. Uh, so, so far in the last year, all three major credit rating agencies, Moody's, S&P, and Fitch, have uh, boosted the state's credit rating by two notches. Uh, to put that in perspective, we were sitting one notch above what's considered junk status or the lowest investment grade status. In investment grade level that's available, uh, but we're now three notches above that. So at least we're moving in the right direction. Is this a reflection of better fiscal management, do you think, here in the state of Illinois? I think it's a reflection, I mean, of the fact that they're just, the state has been getting its business done. Um, and, and we've had some believe it or not, financial luck amidst the pandemic. I think there was the state's April revenues were the highest the state has ever um, had, according to a recent report. So the, the revenues are performing just in, incredibly strongly considering what uh, people are going through in terms of inflation and whatever else financial struggles that are going on uh, in the world right now. So state revenues have performed well. Uh, the budgets have reflected that and the credit credit ratings have reflected that. Uh, I don't know how sustainable it is, but I mean, certainly any way you cut it, this is better than where we were from 2015 to 2017 when it was just temporary spending plans and everything was being cut. Higher education was being cut. Public schools were being funded at a prorated level um, and just everything, everything had that was reacting to the impasse. So certainly we're, we're better than we were there. But uh, as the credit ratings pointed out, as you pointed out in your story, there's a long way to go. Okay. And Illinois still does have a lot of unfunded liability in its pension systems. Um, should be noted that I don't think there's a state in the country that doesn't have a lot of unfunded liability, but Illinois is kind of an outlier. It's sitting around $130 billion uh, that's going to take quite a bit of time to pay off. So it's probably safe to say we're not going to get that AAA rating that everybody would like anytime soon, uh, but at least we're moving in the right direction. Is that right? Yeah, and what the, the implications of this are is when the state goes to the bond market, it's going to have lower interest rates, essentially. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it at that for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock with Jerry Nowicki and Grace Kinnicutt saying stay safe and thank you for listening.